Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello, and it's good to be back once again with American Tennis every Wednesday at noon, usually, but folks, last uh, three, four weeks. Uh, what can I say? It's getting hecticer and hecticer, and uh, dang it, it uh, just so many things going on. But listen, we're back, and we're going to try to keep a regular show prog- uh, program going every week on Wednesday on the Yellow Ball Network. And um, listen, thanks for tuning in to all the programs, and just thanks for listening. And we're in our golly, let's see. Seventh year, almost seven years coming up in June. So, uh, daggone it, that's uh, we've we've gonna we're gonna keep it rolling. But today, our program, and I wanted to try if we could right away to go to Coach uh, Randy Blumendahl. I'm gonna invite him on here in a second because uh, his time is really limited. But I want to get his comments on this. But I got to sort of set the table the first five minutes. But my frustration, I tried to name it, claim it, tame it. Uh, the last three, four weeks, I've thought a lot about why am I so frustrated about this great sport of tennis? Well, first of all, part of it is because it's becoming like a game, maybe more than a sport. Uh, this, but the, the big, big reason is that I, I've realized that the very essence of those things that made me want to play when I was a youngster – and uh, most of you play when you were youngsters. And the thing, if you think about it, the thing that really gets kids hooked on a sport and people hooked on a sport are I, the name of the program is the three drugs we got from playing tennis. Well, I've always talked about the three drugs I got from playing tennis when I was a kid. And I've said it on this program, dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. And we're going to talk about that in a second but how I'd like to set the table is to talk about my frustration, and maybe I'll bring Coach in here in a second to talk about how he sees this out in the coaching world as well. 
But my frustration comes from the fact that we are barking up the wrong tree. We are going out there and we are marketing this sport in the wrong way. It is a sport. It's more than just a sport. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it is a life teacher. It's the most fantastic sport or game ever invented that's become a sport, and it's a game and a sport. But the frustration's been that we market this and we try to get people playing the game more and more with gimmicks, with, uh, gosh, throwing points at the kids. Uh, We've talked about that so often. The kids don't play for points. They play for tournaments of heritage, rivalries, and other things. The competitive part of it, we try to throw fame and money and what you can get out of the sport. And uh, as I talk to my team and young people all the time, I tell them, look, if you work for mastery, not just success, if you work for mastery first, you're going to have success. But if you work for success first, you'll never have mastery and you'll never go deeper and you'll drop it like a hot potato once that the the stimulus uh, is not there anymore. But I want to talk. I'm going to bring Coach on here. But I, I want to I want to talk about the five five sleeping giants as well. You know, we've talked about this before in in the high school getting our kids playing. Uh, it really it's level two. We we introduce everybody to sport, but we don't get them hooked on it. But high schools, small town tennis. Really, the age group 22 to 35, we have done nothing with that age group. We have so many kids that play college tennis and then just dump the sport. And then the old people, too, this really stimulated – it's really motivated me to talk about this. I asked um, a couple older gentlemen recently why they gave up tennis and they've gone to pickleball, and we could elaborate on that, but but so much more. But I want to welcome – to the program here, Coach Randy Blumendahl. And uh, Coach Randy, you're one of the best out there I've ever seen of motivating people and getting people to do things they don't want to do in order to have things they want to have. And I I think there are probably very few youngsters you've ever worked with that did not continue playing tennis most of their lives. But uh, welcome to the program, first of all. And then I want to try to get your ideas. Welcome, Coach. Well, thank you, Coach. Thanks for having me on. A lot of exciting things going on, you know, in my end as well. And uh, it's been a busy time, but this is a topic that we need to discuss. And I think we're kind of getting down to what the heart of the matter is with where all the decisions going. I don't want to say wrong. But it's not heading in a direction that's that's really helping the next generation kind of aspire to greatness or mastery, however you want to word that. But it's uh, and then the the trickle down is is kind of where you were going with the pickleball and all that kind of stuff. But what we're you know the, the, what's exciting about this is what people don't really fully understand. It's like this with every sport. Every great sport, it's subtleties. It's very small little things that are the difference between making it something very special and great and making it something that's just 
hey, I would like to pick up like darts. I'm not, I'm not making fun of the people that try to master darts, but most people kind of, you know, okay, well, I'm going to throw some darts or badminton. Um, they, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a little thing maybe you do once every two or three years. And tennis has kind of marketed itself to where that's what it's going to end up being. And I think those of us that have spent a lifetime and dove into all the depths of what this great sport can bring out in people, I think that is very frustrating to us all. And, you know, whether it's college tennis, whether it's juniors, whether it's adult tennis, like we were talking about some of the greats that – one at all kinds of age groups, Gardner Malloy's of the world, uh, you know, all that stuff's very inspiring. You take that away and, and, and tennis becomes, you know, what we, we play ping pong in, in America. We don't play table tennis, but it becomes like a ping pong. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's, you know, so I do think this is something we need to talk about. And I hope, that the leadership out there that when they start marketing, they, they have to understand what they're doing. And then with technology, we've, we've used most of our technology to market. We haven't really used it to help better develop. And that's probably a shocker to a lot of people. Oh, no, no, no. We're using it to develop. No, we're not. We're using it to market. And, and, plant ideas that don't necessarily help kids become great. And we could talk about that too, or maybe that's a separate show. But these are things that I think about when we're talking about tennis and where you're going to go with this subject matter. But thank you for having me on, Coach. Well, let's get started. I want to talk – our last program, I said um, it it came from the statement that the world promises us buckets of the world promises us buckets of rhinestone but god gives a chance to make one diamond with our life the program was right diamond hunters not rhinestone shoppers my point is in this program today is to expound on that a little bit and to explain that as a child, I never played for rhinestones. I played for the three drugs that I got, dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins. And now listen, that leads to maybe some rhinestones along the way for some of the people out there, maybe money, fame, status, um, some type of thing. But my my point being, Coach, is that our leaders – are marketing this very much. I think the ping pong versus table tennis is a great analogy. We're marketing social tennis or ping pong, not that there's not a place for that on a Sunday afternoon when you're you're at home with your kids or something. Um, not that that's a bad thing. That's not that that's uh, anything that is not a byproduct of the sport itself. But the sport of tennis itself has been diluted, diluted, polluted, prostituted. But the frustrating thing is that they, the guys who are marketing this, I mean, in college tennis, it's absurd that they have diminished the sport as they have saying, well, we're getting more people in the stands. Well, 
if you take a, do a study and say we're going to give away free pizzas to everybody over this match, match A, and then we're going to do these gimmick things that they're putting together over here, well, everybody's going to go get the pizzas because <laughs> hunger is a little bit more stimulating than, oh, wow, we just saw a no-ad game. Wasn't that exciting? Um, it, it, it is mind-boggling. Our, our leaders, and, and look, I'm not cutting on people individually, but either they're misinformed, they don't un, they don't see the ten, the game enough, uh, they haven't seen it at a deep enough level, uh, or you know what what how could they be making such egregious egregious mistakes? like this there there's nothing that inspires nor touches the heart with the marketing of gimmicks and in nothing that nothing playing the piano might be a good example my daughters played piano coach and they practice you know an hour or so every day and they're not going to ever be at Carnegie Hall, and they're not going to probably even do it for a living. But my oldest daughter's done this for eight or nine years, you know, and and she basically told me, you know, Papa, this I I really enjoy the way this makes me feel. You know, I really enjoy the soothing part of doing this, and I really enjoy. And I'm I'm thinking that is what tennis used to keep people playing tennis. It was actually something that was of, of great depth. So my question to you is, how could we be missing the boat so badly? People haven't changed. It's just the fact that we've allowed marketing people to take this in all the wrong direction. Coach? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's... Uh, um, it, it, and, and, and the thing is, we're not even solving the problems. And whatever whatever we perceive the problems to be, whether it's people in the stands or what, it, we're not really solving the problems. I mean, we, we often have talked about how, um, like, uh, ESPN, the marketing of sport, hasn't really helped. And, and, and that's a probably you know, it hasn't helped. It has went the other way with the way, the perception of what, kids really think sports all about and it had to do with that first example. statement give, you give me an example made. there i think give me an example there, um, coach on espn type of things they do wait espn that they they number one they they exploit drama from a perspective of somebody that doesn't understand the depth of what it takes to do things at the top level so when they do that they're just trying to get TV ratings up, and they're coming from a side that only scratches the surface of what it really takes. Like maybe there's some truths in what they're doing, but it's not really. And there's some people in there that do understand those depths, and those people on you know sports channels like ESPN, okay, I get it. But most of the stuff that goes on kind of looks like they're just trying to create some sort of like like the Weather Channel's doing, like some sort of drama, like, oh, the weather's all of a sudden a lot worse in the last 10 years than it's been in the last 2,000 years. Well, it, it's better news. It's better for the ratings. 
ESPN does the same thing. And when right. ESPN first started, I remember tuning into them, and it was, it was like it was just sports. It was always twenty four hours of sports, and that's the way they kind of promoted it. And you'd watch Australian football, you'd watch all these sports, but it's just sports. That was interesting. And then it turned into this drama series of, can we get something more out of it? And then we started programming our players from every sport to say the right things so they could make more money. And I, oh, it became very, to me, it was not, not a good show to watch. And the, the lessons that were learned there are not very good. Um, I don't think that you're teaching kids to really go after things and be great at anything at that point. I think it was risk management at best. So but it's not inspiring. Um, it's not inspiring. It's really not. So, you know, there was – I'm trying to think. I, I really purpose – I don't tune into a lot of things going on on ESPN anymore because of what we're talking about. So I'm trying to think. We, Me and you have watched it's a few more, shows over the years. But, you know, um, most of it is – more fabricated drama. It's more – it's more studio yeah. drama. It's fake yeah. drama. It's fake. Yeah. You know, it's like tennis has become an after-school activity, fake competition, fake kumbayas, fake. You know, it's it's like, you know, you, you use the example of darts. Uh, you know, I, I think always about bowling. You know, bowling, yeah, it was – bowling was very popular in the 50s and the 60s. Everybody used to go to the bowling alleys. Well, bowling – there are some bowlers out there, but if you ask a group of people in a room how many people have ever been bowling out of 50, 50 will say they've been bowling. If you ask them how many bowlers we have, you've got one or two. And the same thing is true with tennis. Well, I think that our tennis people try to work on those 49 social players more than, again, it's participation. Does participation breed excellence or does excellence breed participation? I would say it's the former. I would say, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's the reason why, but I want you to here. I, I need you to jump in here in a second, but I want to talk to everybody. I've told people the three drugs I get, I get from, uh, are dopamine, adrenaline and endorphins. I've read about the dopamine. It's it signals. It's it's uh, it basically a neutral uh, neurotransmitter here. Uh, it's responsible for uh, transmitting single sig, uh, signals from nerve to nerve, pleasure, anticipation. It signals a. It says a perceived motivational uh, paradigm or uh, a motivational primer. The desire of an outcome, it basically is a motivating thing, uh, dopamine that makes people want to do it again and again and again. It behaviors, it propels our behavior toward a certain outcome, uh, uh, dopamine does. And adrenaline, now here's what I always believed. I believe dopamine, dopamine, you gr- that grows exponentially as you start responding to stimulus. You get more and more excited about being on the tennis court. You get more and more exciting about your activity. You get more and more excited about it because you have a pleasure uh, pleasure center there. 
that you go to. Now, adrenaline, I've always believed that people have a certain uh, amount. It's a X amount of adrenaline, and I believe you've got a tank, and when it's gone, it's gone. I, I just know that I responded to adrenaline, the adrenaline of the fight or flight um, drug that uh, what they call it, the epinephrine, I guess, is the drug in the in the body, but it's a fight or flight response that extra muscle, blood flows to your muscles, your brain, and you get excited. Now, I know that that adrenaline still happens with competition, and I just think that some people don't have as much, a big of as big of a tank for adrenaline as other people. I know I had a sister that was not competitive at all, another sister that was extremely competitive. I had a brother that was not very competitive, and I was very competitive. So I think as dopamine grows exponentially, I think that adrenaline, uh, you have a tank fart, and once it's out, it's out. Some people, when they're done with competition, they're done with competition. But then the endorphins are... Everybody talks about the runner's high with the endorphins or that great. They said that endorphin rush is much like morphine or codeine. Uh, it reacts with the brain. It's like an opiate in the brain. But it, seek, it really releases the pleasure of, a, of, um, of, a, of a euphoria. And we used to all get this, didn't we, when we'd train or when we'd run or when we'd have a great match and there's nothing better than after a great workout and you've just had that shower and you're sitting around with friends or something and you've just got that great euphoria from this. So these were the reasons I played Coach Blumendahl. I, I, you know, and other than that, it wasn't the, you know, and then, come on, let's put the competition in there and, you start getting better at the sport, and you could see yourself getting better, and there was no shortcuts unless you did the conditioning, unless you learned how to play the game, unless you learned how to do the intricate scoring system. The chess match of the scoring system was the ultimate thing to try to accomplish. So could you speak to that a little bit and where we're goofing up there? And then we're going to try to put it into – where our sleeping giants are in our sport. Maybe we can solve something today. Coach? Yeah, so as I'm listening to all that, I'm, I'm thinking of ESPN and how now they've had, you know, 40 years of these stories and how they've dramatized everything. When, you, when you've worked at something for a very long time, it starts becoming more simple in your head. And, and and you get to the point where it becomes, you know, one or two words. And that's pretty boring, all right? And and what hits me as you go through all that, all that is 100% right. We, we need to find ways to, to get the kids to really fall in love with all parts of that. And when we do, I mean, great things happen. But to do that, it's fundamental, 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 repetition, repetition, repetition. Well, that's boring. Who wants to hear that story? I mean, that, that takes a lot of time, and, and, and that was coined in the book, The Talent Code. Every discipline is the same thing. So there's no drama in that. I mean, there's going to be, you know, day-to-day stuff, but for the most part, unless you make it up, I mean, there's not – in the marketing of that, I mean, that's pretty simple stuff. 
But that's what it takes to really keep heading in a positive direction and starting to master whatever discipline that you're chasing after. So, you know, to, to make stories up about that is completely taking you your focus. Your We talk about RAS, reticular activation system, completely taking that away from what it needs to be because that the other stuff is not what it's all about. That's the stuff you have to deal with, and then you've got to, you, you've got to be, oh, I don't want to say tunnel vision, but really that's what it is. You've got, you got to be so focused on mastering what you're trying to master that that stuff does not get in the way. So it's really the opposite of what they're trying to sell is what's going to get somebody to the top. And then when those people get to the top, that's what inspires so they're stopping that from happening. So all they're doing is maybe by marketing this way and by marketing our technology this way, maybe they're raising up the bottom end, but they're definitely not letting anybody take off. I mean, in our sport, what makes it interesting to me, and I think if you ask any tennis fan over the last 40 years, they'll tell you, oh, individual sport, you know what I love about it? I love all the different personalities. I love all the different game styles. I love it. But, I mean, we're basically trying to market the same. Like, we're, we're doing cookie cutter stuff, like same person, same. Nobody's interested in that. I don't care what gimmick. Nobody said, hey, I really like tennis because I just like that one shot at this one. No. It's like every other sport. Drama's built. It's more intensified in tennis. Drama's built because of the scoring system. Drama's built. So we're, we're doing it almost the exact opposite way than it needs to be done. So when people ask, well, what do you need to do? Well, you have to start focusing on something completely different. You have to, the marketing part of the sport has to be separate from what you're doing with development. And it's just, in college tennis, it's very evident, very evident. I mean, it's, if you want to talk about marketing that sport, it's completely different than the educational process of that sport. And if you take away the educational process, you don't have another generation coming along. I mean, who else is I mean, you know, I guess they'll play for their 5% scholarship or their, two, their books coach. I mean, there's no, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, so that's, you know, that's what keeps, you know, you have to fall in love with it. I mean, it's a lot of work to get to those points. And then to stop it short because, you know, risk management, and well, I've watched these stories and it doesn't end up anywhere, is not what it's about. So, yeah, that's, that's what ignites it, what you just talked about, what, to, what ignites it. And then what facilitates it from there on is really what you're focused on and we have a lot of distractions in sport right now. And, I, and it, it is becoming games. Like you said, you use the word game, sport. That's what's happening in my mind. It's like no longer are these sports. They're becoming, are all coming games. And then we got these expert gamers out there. They're going to game everything. So I don't think that is something that any parent is interested in getting in or investing in. So, I, you know, I, I, I know with my own kids, the educational process is what I'm interested in. 
And our sport is unbelievable when it's pure. It's unbelievable. But it's not a very good sport when you start adding in all these little marketing techniques and gaming everything. I mean, and trying to manipulate people to participate for a day or two. I mean, it's not, it's not a very good sport. So I think that's what you're getting at. And how do we turn that around? I think that's the question that we keep, we keep coming up with. And, and I think everybody's asking that question at this point. And, you know, and I've heard the ones that, you know, with college, it seems like, you know, there's a small group of people that believe they have the answers, but, I mean, I don't know how long how long the results have to show, but it's not, it's not showing that that's the way. It's not heading in a positive direction. So um, anyway, that that well, I yeah, I think you're right on with everything you're saying right now. I, 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 have you got a few more minutes to hang on? We I, yes, I wanted to ask you a couple more things. Uh, first of all. Uh, you, you bring up so many things. You know, they often talk about the excitement that they are creating. I think people are just sort of excited out. I, I've always said that excitement dwindles with each occurrence. Like riding the roller coaster by the second time you stay on it, hey, I'll ride it again. By the third time you say, ah, okay, let's go try the Ferris wheel. Excitement dwindles with each occurrence. It's just like watching somebody stuff a basketball. It used to be something great, but because no one, I, I'd rather see people lay the basketball off the glass now because excitement dwindles with each occurrence. Drama intensifies with each denial. Our sport was based on drama, and great sports are based on drama, whether it's the drama of a, the duel between a baseball hitter and a baseball pitcher and a hitter, uh, whether it's the end of the ball game and the, the guys running the two-minute drill trying the drama of it all. It's not the excitement of that one flashy play or something like that. Uh, that that's one thing I wanted to say, but the, when you talk about um, people have not changed, have they? I mean, they, they want to argue the marketing people want to argue, oh, people have changed. Their attention span, if I hear one more time, the attention span of a person is only uh, three minutes or 30 seconds or something, and we need to abbreviate our sport to make this work. Any comments are on that excitement versus drama or the fact about have people changed or is it just we are such dummies that we're bastardizing our sport because we're listening to these people that are saying that people have changed. They haven't. I mean, would you agree, Coach? I agree. I agree. I, what, what hits me as you're, as you're talking, what, I, what I'm thinking about is I remember in the locker room, Coach Heidinger at Indiana one time had a talk with the team, and he was talking about the very thing you're talking about right now. And he put this tape in, and it was Bjorn Borg playing Vilas in the finals of the French Open. And Borg talked the whole time. They slowed it down. I think the I, it's the longest point ever. It was the longest point ever. And I can't remember the exact time of the point. But um, 
it was a long, long point. But they slow it down. It's in slow motion, so it ends up taking about an hour. And Borg's talking the whole time. Now, here's my point to what you're saying. Borg says, when I was 15, I couldn't focus for more than 30 seconds at a time. By the time I played my first Davis Cup match, I could stretch that out where I could focus maybe a, a minute and a half, two minutes, and then I'd lose my focus again. By the time I won my first French Open, I could probably focus for an hour, 45 minutes at a time, but I'd have these moments of where it lapsed. By the time I was 22, 23 years old, four, five, he's like, it, the time, it didn't matter. I mean, basically, it just kept extending. But what, what he was saying was it was trained. It was trained. He, he, he wasn't born... He did maybe had an aptitude to, to do things at a high level when he started being trained that way, but he wasn't born to focus for. Maybe you remember how long that point was with Belis. I want to say it was like five minutes long. I remember the first set took close to two hours, and the next two sets took less than forty-five minutes for him to win the match. Um, the uh, but that was trained. That was all trained. So, yes, I mean, and, and, and the thing is, what makes that interesting is the pursuit of excellence. And it's not, I mean, I know, I've heard all this stuff, like with baseball, let's, you know, load the balls up so we can have more home runs and then we'll get more fans in there. No, it's the pursuit of excellence. As soon as they started talking about steroids, none of us were interested in the home run race, right? We're not interested. At that point, you know, when we were talking about a lifetime of putting it together, we're all very interested. And they're doing something that none of us can do. We're interested. And that's where the marketing people don't know. And I would say most of them don't have enough skin in the game. And what I mean by that is they've never pursued a sport on that level. So the guys that have done it usually are so humble. And, and plus, if you've been around players, they don't know how to articulate what that means. They, they have to think like cavemen and women because it's automatic responses. It's not, you know, oh, it's so analytical in my mind. Here's how you do it. And there's a few exceptions out there, but for the most part, they don't know how to explain that stuff. So then you've got these guys that, don't know what really what's going on. They're just kind of guessing. So, you know, it, it, we have to focus. And that goes back to we have to start paying attention to these guys that have been doing this for years and years right, right. and years and years. So, and, and they're the ones that know. And, and you know what ESPN or whoever mastermind this, it was through technology, it, what they tried to replace heritage with, they keep bringing up stuff like, well, the sport's so much better now. It's so much different. And they're brainwashing all these young men and women to think, well, Rod Laver couldn't play today. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I think any generation, the champions of that generation, you plug them in any time and they're going to figure out how to get to the top. And, and it's going to be the same almost every sport. And there's again, there's going to be some exceptions, but not too many. But that's been the well, you know, 
basketball's changed so much, football's changed so much. But, you know, so that's been the replacement of heritage, and they don't understand the damage that does to young men and women, or boys and girls, sorry, what that does to them. They, they don't understand that that thought process really takes it to a different, because they think, oh, well, they, you know, Rod, Rod Laver doesn't know because he, today's game is so much harder than it was when he was playing. He, you know, he maybe could do it that way, but you can't do it that way. I've heard that over and over again. I, I don't find that to be true at all. You know, there's a better way. Hey, we don't have to. And technology, if it's in the right hands, can help people do things at a high level. But in the wrong hands, it's just marketed and it just slows us all down. And that's been proven over and over again in sport, by the way. I mean, it was proven with the sub-four mile. That's the one that smacks you right in the face. I mean, article after article was written for three or four years before they broke the sub, that it couldn't be done. And then all of a sudden it was done how many times within one year? It was something crazy. Like 12 once times one person the next did it. year. Yeah. After one guy broke, yeah. Roger Bannister broke right. it like 12 times, yeah. That's and, and people don't understand that about what's inside. And until you have spent hours seeing that there's so much more inside of these young boys and young girls, you don't get that. So you get stuck in this, well, science tells me this, here's the start point, here's the finish point, and then everybody falls short. Everyone falls short. I still have not seen anybody run out of talent in our sport. And I'm sorry for those that say, oh, you know, <laughs> guess what I ran out. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. They did not run out of talent. Nobody ran out of talent. They got tired of working as hard as they needed to work. Emotionally, they got beat up a little too much maybe, but they threw in the towel. It did not, they did not run out of talent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, they might have ran out of time. They didn't run out of talent. So, you know, and, and when you've seen the, the, the ones that get to the top, what you've noticed is they don't think like that. So it, it's, those are the themes that just, you know, keep reoccurring. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it feels good to ESPN, and I, this, is, this is hot, and this is another talk, I'm sure, but, to, to say bad things about Coach Knight and all the excellence that occurred, and maybe that feels good to them. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, th these guys that, that spent their life trying to create excellence, or not create it, pull it out of people, and then somebody that knows nothing about that gets to write a story and take down their career. That doesn't make sense to me. And, it, and the thing is oh. that, you know, you were talking about this the other day, Coach. What were you saying, George? You were talking about George Washington. The failures oh. have to, I mean, failure is part of the process. It's part of the process. And that's the part that nobody gets either. It's like, well, we're, we're like ESPN just dramatizes the failure so much. Nobody wants to keep going, but it takes all those failures to make greatness. It's the Michael Jordan story. It's the, you know, everyone's got the story. There's always these major breakthroughs after 
they failed miserably, miserably. So, but, you know, if we keep dramatizing that part, I mean, the kids don't get it. They don't get it. They're like, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to be, I don't want the spotlight on me when I mess up that badly. But that's what it takes. That's what it takes for those kids to be great. So these are things that, you know, and I don't know if they did it on per. I think they just did it to get the ratings up. I don't think just like the Weather Channel's doing with, you know, everything there. I don't think they're any any mastermind behind the scenes. I just think, how do we get the ratings up? But I think what we're getting down to is, well, what's the actual truth here and what's going to help our sport go forward and what's going to help it continue to be a sport? Well, it's not these things. This is going to kill our sport. So that's, that's well, what, you know, the over-marketing, the over-dramatizing, the use in technology the wrong ways is not helping us. It, that's what the most frustrating thing is. And any anyone, I, I wrote down something here. Why don't we ask the champions first? Why do we have some of these uh, people who are in charge of things, they're number two or three people when it comes to being great competitors or great champions. Why do we have them making these decisions instead of our champions? Why? We, we, we need a forum to where these things are discussed. I mean, we need to really be able to talk about why our kids don't get hooked on a sport. Listen, my daughters do piano and ballet. My son is playing the guitar, does music. Well, you know, the, the point is, why do we do those things? We want our children to pursue excellence and fail and then try again, then fail a little bit better than they did the last time and then try again. We want them to learn perseverance, and uh, our leaders are not doing those things. They're diluting, polluting, prostituting, and I think we need to start with the we'll start with the why about why aren't people playing tennis? If I could just go there very quickly and give you a few ideas, we've got a few minutes here left. But one, you know, our sleeping giants, high school tennis. Of course, we've diminished that into an after-school activity with the no-cut program. Again, I've talked a lot about that. Uh, Small-town tennis. We're of course marketing inner-city tennis instead of. The communities less than 50,000 people around the country that produce, by the way, 75% of all our professional athletes. But I'm going there. No, 22 to age group 22 to 35. Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't know of many golfers that play college golf that but don't continue their golf careers and keep playing golf afterwards. But it seems like all the college players, when they're done playing, they just sort of Jump, drop the sport and dump their sport. There's just nothing out there. So I don't think that our USTA or anybody does anything for that age group. But here's my thing. The two P gentlemen I was talking to this week had switched over to pickleball, and they're at a 55 and over group. And I, I said, well, what are your thoughts? Well, it's easier to do, and it's we can do it. Well, I said, how about this? The symmetry's been lost. When they changed the racket equipment, the old people especially can't move. We all know that. So what happens in the old days, rackets, the rackets did not allow you to hit the ball twice as fast 
So what happened was the symmetry sort of, you know, waltz music stayed with waltz dancing. Right now we've got we've got uh, daggone cha-cha music and fast music, and we're trying to do a dance with a waltz, and it's just screwy. So the point is, is again, why did they market like this? Why do they market like this? Uh, and I'd like for you to answer that question. Do are 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 the people, the SPNs, the USTA people who make these decisions? Do they just not care, or do they think they know more? Or what? What's your take on that, Coach? Yeah, I, I just think it's their job. It's their job. It, it, it's it's their That's job simple. to get ratings up. It's I, I it's don't their job. think it's their job to get ratings up in their organization or get participation up, and they don't surround themselves with something of depth in anything that they're doing that's going to make it where our our whys all come together. <laughs> It, you know, it's just going to be short-term manipulation. So just trying to keep the job another day. And that's not very inspiring to me, and I don't think any young man wants to hear that either, but that's not the people we want in place, I don't think. Um, you know, take a, a, a tournament like Wimbledon, and, you know, you don't want to hear, well, what what's going on at Wimbledon? Well, the guy's just... You know, he's just trying to keep the, – the main guy there is just trying to keep his job longer, so he's going to build a dome. I mean, I'm not inspired by that. I mean, that's the tournament that's been around since tennis was a sport. I mean, basically, since it was a sport, it's been around. I mean, that's not, that's not something that any of us want to hear, and that's the kind of stuff that's going on. And I, I, I really I, – I sit back and I watch the decisions that are being made, and there are people around those decisions that care, but I'm not sure they're the ones that, that get to make that decision at the end of the day. So how do we turn that around? I mean, that that's what this is – you know, how, how can we turn it around? I think we have to somehow get the power back into the hands – of the people playing the sport and the people that have been playing the sport for years at a time or coaching for years at a time. I think you got to get it back into their hands. Now, you know, it's become a business, so all the business people are going to say, oh, we just can't have a business and do that. Well, is that what we want? Because I think the business is going to turn it into a game and it's not going to be interesting. So I, I think you got to somehow take it out of their hands. I mean, I'm, I've always talked about and I know now that things aren't going as well with some of the tournaments in the pro at the pro level. They're kind of talking about how do we get more money out to the lower level. Well, that's been going on for years. Like, and you've talked about this as well. But I mean, there's got to be a lot of you know, not a lot. A hundred people in the United States got to be able to make a living playing tennis on the men's side. A hundred people on the women's side, and then that would inspire. What do you think? I mean, what, what do you think the number would be? It would inspire I mean, just, a thousand. <laughs> if a hundred made a good living, we could inspire a thousand, and that's ridiculously low numbers for them to yeah. be thinking, you know, about that. So, listen, you brought up something. We only got a minute here or two. 
But I wanted to say this to everybody out there. Coach just brought up a big thing. What do we do? What do we do? Look, a great opportunity is there for all of you out listening to this program. A great opportunity to the real teachers out there and the real lovers of the sport. We must appeal to the depth of the person. This is the greatest teacher of life skills is the sport of tennis, but it's the pursuit of excellence. It's not the pursuit of participation. It's the pursuit of excellence that stimulates young people. Whether you do that with a tournament, whether you do that with your teaching, whether you do that with your voice, just voicing disapproval to these tournament directors that say, let's make this four-game sets and get everybody out of here on time so we can go have our cocktail party. Or whether you do it, whether you just do it because you're looking to pursue excellence in young people, do it with do not bastardize your skill set, do not dumb down, do not lower the bar. But it's a great opportunity, isn't it, Coach, for some ideas. We need some ideas out there. And, Blumendahl, I really appreciate you coming on. Any last word? We've got 30 seconds. Any last things you'd like to say? No, I just thank you for, for having me on, and I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I appreciate it more each and every day. Um, Let, let's know, we, stay in the we, fight. We look, Coach, we got to stay in it, and look, the the thing is we know that it's worth fighting because of the depth of what what could be with this sport being great. And and we gotta keep it going in that in that and we gotta turn it around where it hasn't been there. So that's that's why we keep doing what we're doing and and uh and you know, we I feel like I know I personally feel like I owe a lot to the sport. It gave me a lot of opportunity throughout my my life and uh you know, I, I try to put in as much as I can each and every day. So thank you, and uh, Me too. I appreciate let's everything make, you do. Let's make American tennis great again, folks. Pursue excellence. Do not just pursue, pursue participation. God bless you all. Coach Chuck Creasy reminding you you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. God bless you all, and we will see you next week on American Tennis.